the Pentecost is one of my favorite biblical stories. Um, I think it says a lot about who we are and who we're supposed to be in Jesus. But one of the things that it says is that everyone's particular language, everyone's particular way of um, encountering God and knowing God in your own skin, in your own body, in your own history, whether it's a, someone from Crete or an Arab or a Phrygian, um, is critically important to the life of Jesus. That the particular things that have happened to us, the particular places we come from, are parts of who God is and parts of what we need to know. Part of the um, unfortunate history of, sometimes I think the worst thing that ever happened to Jesus is Constantine, right, and becoming the empire. Um, part of the unfortunate history of Christianity is that some of the ways that God has talked to us, some of the languages that God has sent us fire through, have historically been privileged over others. And so there are some stories we hear a lot more about than we hear about other stories. Um, and so for Black History Month, one of the things we wanted to do was, this is just a small selection of folks from the UVC community who have different experiences of what it is to be black and of what it is to be black and Christian. Um, and we thought that it was worth excavating this month um, what is it that the Christian community has to learn from blackness, black experience, and blackness in Christianity? And so this is going to be like individual perspectives. So no expectations on anyone to speak for a billion people or for a whole community or for, you know, like, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not who we are. <laughs> um, but to hear some individual Pentecost voices of what they may have heard in the wilderness that you may not have heard in your particular experience yeah. and how it might form our faith formation. So... With that, let's give it a roll. So the first question is, if you, just in case people don't know you, if you could share your name um, with folks, and then also what you would like people to know about what being black means to you and how your black identity was formed. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Maurice Gillespie. I've been here at UBC for a little while. So in thinking about this and, and how was my black identity formed, so I think there's a couple of components to it really quickly. I grew up in Gary, Indiana, which is a lot of times gets a lot of bad press. So you say Gary, and people are like, ooh. Uh, but actually, I'm really, really happy about that. I mean, uh, I grew up, it was, Gary was 89% African-American. And so I grew up in a community seeing African-American doctors and lawyers and professionals an excellent school system uh, where black history was every month, not just February. Um, so it allowed me to grow up with a lot of pride about who I was and where I came from. Um, and then I spent a good, almost you know, a quarter of my life in Brazil, uh, which has a very different, uh, you know, Brazil has the largest black population outside of Africa, in case anyone doesn't know. But the concept of race in Brazil is completely different. So when you say someone is black, they're literally just talking about someone's appearance, and it doesn't come with kind of the cultural subtext um, that we associated with in the US. So some of these things have kind of formed this identity, but overall, it's, it's pride. Hi, everyone. I'm Ravay. Um, I've been coming here for a while. And um, uh, <laughs> I always say that being black is like not the most important part of my identity, but it's my favorite. I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> Oppression aside, it's really fun. And um, I grew up also not in Gary, but I grew up in Maryland outside of DC um, in a place called Prince George's County. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's like, like maybe I'm biased because I'm from there, but it's like the plethora of like black excellence and like just seeing all these beautiful black people all the time. And my parents are also like 
super pro-black and like it was always something to be celebrated. So I also grew up with like a very positive um, experience of what it meant to be a black person in America. Like also aware of like, it's not always great, but yeah. I'm Camille. Um, I also have been coming to UBC for a little while now. Um, I grew up sort of in a mixed, probably predominantly white community in Michigan. Um, and so I would say my most immediate experience of being black, the default has always been sort of other. Um, but I think my parents and my community did a lot of um, work and you know instilled in me a lot of values to make sure that, that was a positive other, you know, while at the same time that you know my hair not may look like a lot of my friends or my particular experiences may not be the same as a lot of my friends who are white or of other races. Um, I think I had a lot of strong grounding in my home to sort of um, celebrate who I was and um, and yeah and be proud of it and so sort of as I've come out into the world um, that's definitely been really helpful and has kind of I think I've only been um, inspired to do more work to learn and, and celebrate and be proud of who I am um, based on sort of the foundation I got from my parents. Uh, good, good morning all. Uh, my name is Ori. If you haven't met me or haven't met you, uh, I was born and raised in uh, Bujumbura, which is the capital city of Burundi, a tiny country in East Africa. And so um, my experience of blackness um, wasn't really formed until I came here, because um, that was the first time I was uh, racialized, because um, I grew up in a predominantly black country, like no, everybody else looked like me. Um, but also, um, so black history for me was like taught throughout the year, like from kindergarten up to like high school. Um, but it wasn't just like bringing history, it was like uh, black people across the world. I know that uh, in high school we spent like three years uh, two years actually uh, studying this movement called uh, La Negritude, which is like blackness in French. Uh, and it looked like, like we, were look, we were looking at like Caribbean authors and African authors of French expression and how their blackness has informed their presence in France and all that stuff. So um, I also had that sort of experience. Uh, <clears throat> good morning, my name is Lee. Uh, my wife, Sasha and I have been coming to uh, UBC for over a year now, almost two years. Um, uh, I grew up downstate in Edwardsville, which is right outside of St. Louis, which is a sleepy bedroom community, predominantly white. Uh, and so I was pretty much the other. Uh, and But I also grew up and went to a black church in St. Louis. So uh, it was always punctuated with this sense of there's, there's a world outside of my you know, little corn patch in <laughs> Edwardsville, which where we saw a lot of you know, very well-to-do people, uh, uh, people who weren't necessarily so well-to-do. So it ran the gamut, but um, my racial identity really was formed based on my parents who were uh, people from the South and Jim Crow Southern living. And so there was very much a strong sense of uh, trying to prepare me as a black man to live in this society. Um, and be ready for what came with that. And I think um, it's interesting, Lee, that you talk about this uh, kind of world church uh, or, or place where you sleep church difference for you and your particular story. Um, the story of, of being black and being Christian is complicated and long and has a lot. I wonder for each one of you, if there is a relationship, what is the relationship between blackness and Christianity for you? Yeah. Um, so uh, now... Now, mind you, my experience as a black Christian is that 
I came from a very churched family, and by church I mean mother was a minister, brother was a minister, sister was a minister, <laughs> uncle was a minister. So I probably was born with a Bible in my hands. But, so it, it's kind of hard to kind of tease apart that sense of what being black and being Christian is. And I think, I don't know if there's necessarily an explicit connection, but rather, you know, as I grew up, there was this sense that everything was uh, kind of related that being black and being Christian almost went together like you know, peas and carrots, that, that they, were, they were kind of infused. But I think a lot of it had to do with the sense that the history of black people in the country has been one of oppression and really trying to survive and thrive and reaching for something better. And I think there's something about the, the Christian ethos that's about redemption and something being better beyond what we have here that naturally kind of goes together. And so, um, and that might be with other world religions, but I know, especially as a Christian, I may not have been thinking explicitly, oh, I'm black and Christian, but they almost go together seamlessly. Uh, I should probably first uh, preface this by acknowledging how um, Christianity was introduced to like Burundi uh, through colonization. Um, so the early, in the late 19th century, uh, like that's when like the first Europeans came through uh, and started exploring. And um, they thought of the local indigenous people as backwards. And so uh, Christianity was a way to introduce them to civilization. And so um, like it sort of, Christianity has a, like somewhat like bad roots uh, in the way it was introduced to us. But uh, it's also, um, I s don't see a lot of antagonism between my blackness and my Christianity. Um, and I see a lot of actually like commonalities in the sense that um, through Christianity and through just my upbringing, I was, was given and taught values of like seeking justice and like um, loving my neighbor and um, all these great things that um, are just, that I just constantly learned about Jesus and that could also see demonstrated throughout my own community. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Like, and I, like, it, it's true that it has really, really evil roots in the sense that it was introduced to us, but it was, it has something beautiful about it. Um, yeah, my church community, kind of, I guess, like my larger community, was um, multiracial, but in a way that the sort of approach we took to race was like the sort of colorblind, we're all God's children, we don't have to talk about race a ton. Um, and so, you know, I think that came out of a lot of good intention, just the idea of, you know, us all coming together as a community. But um, it didn't leave a lot of space to interrogate the ways that, you know, race played into our lives. Um, you know, it was a I'm, again, a mixed racially church led by a white man, and um, you know, you know, obviously, while he had the best of intentions, everyone in church had the best of intentions. There wasn't a lot of space to sort of interrogate things like white supremacy, things like you know, his, you know, systematic oppression, and the reason why our inner city church, you know, didn't have nearly as many resources as the suburban church up the road. Um, we, we never kind of made it there, um, and so. Uh, I think, yeah, for a lot of my life, I didn't necessarily have a, a reason or a space to like think about how my blackness and uh, my Christianity sort of intersected or, or, or played with one another. Um, and so, sort of, yeah, I would say in the past like five to seven years, as I've you know learned more and 
school and just in sort of living life um, and also sort of been away from that, that particular church community. Um, I've, I don't know, I've gotten a lot of joy out of sort of reconnecting to the history of the black church and, you know, what Christianity has meant for sort of African-American history, obviously through, you know, like sort of as a, as a lifeline, as a, as a defining feature of culture and, you know, slavery and Jim Crow, and then even through to present day, it's been really good for me to sort of uh, reconnect and reclaim that history coming from a place where I wasn't necessarily like, um, sort of like imbued in it growing up. Um, I always thought that the connection between blackness and faith dated back to like slavery when we didn't have anything else. We had the church, like, or we always had kind of like how people are like, edu education is something no one can ever take from you. Like, God is something no one can ever take from you. So it's like, um, you didn't have anything else, but you had your faith and something to believe in. And how Lee was saying, um, there has to be something better. Like, there has to be something more than what is happening here on earth for our people. So it's like you put your faith in something bigger. And I was telling them earlier that my dad always said, um, if there's no heaven, there's going to be a lot of mad black folks because it's just like <laughs> we've been waiting for something, you know, something better. So I was like, oh, man. But um, it's just like putting your faith in something bigger because, you know, you struggle. So you got to, like, think of something more positive. I think to just kind of echo some of what I've heard everyone say, um, there's definitely this, you know, black culture and, and Christianity very tightly intertwined. Um, and they're so tightly intertwined that I think it challenges us to kind of excavate what is not Christianity. Um, because it's very easy to kind of get lost in the, you know, you go to a, a black church and you probably all have the experience, you know, you gotta go dress to the nine, you know, you can't just, Roll, come as you are, yeah, they, they don't really go for that portion of it. You know, you, Easter especially. Um, so is that what Christianity is about? Yeah, no, you know, so it's very easy to kind of get lost in some of the cultural pieces as opposed of what, you know, Christianity and what Christ is calling us to. So I think that's just kind of the challenge that, and, and, and that was kind of difficult for me. Um, I think even coming to, I grew up in a United Methodist, all African American United Methodist church. So coming from the traditional church setting to coming to a place like UBC where we're, we're in a theater, right? And at first that was, that was you know, where's the, where's the stained glass? Where the hymnals? You know, where, you know, and I had to really kind of step back from that and say, well, wait a minute, that, that's not, the Bible didn't call us to the hymnal or to the stained glass or to you know, the, the white gloves for the usher board. It, it's about you know, this, this feeling and this connection um, with people and really learning to love everyone. Thank you. Now we're gonna go a little bit more popcorn style because I know some of you folks uh, have answered some of these and some. So I think something that's interesting is that as all of you talked about this connection, you did root it in history somehow, right? So the way that this relationship began, either in the history of your life or in the history of the, of the world, um, we can have a, a complicated relationship with history, and because the, right, we're thinking about history this month, is there a moment from black history within the United States or outside of the United States that you find yourself returning to as either a source of faith or a source of growth, um, or just like something that you puzzle over, a kind of moment of history that lives particularly large for you in your life? I can jump yeah. in. Um, for me, it is without a doubt, uh, when Barack Obama won the first election. 
Um, and I wasn't in the U.S. at the time. I was in Brazil. Um, so I'm, I'm watching this on, on television and just, you know, it, to me it just symbolized, it, it doesn't mean that all the problems are over. It doesn't mean that there aren't still struggles. It doesn't mean that we've reached equality by any stretch of the imagination. But it does mean that something was accomplished that my parents, like your parents, who lived through Jim Crow, did not think that they would live to see. Um, so to see, to kind of live that through them and, and, and that joy, and my mother actually being in tears over this, mm -hmm. to see something happen in your lifetime that you had already convinced yourself you would, you would never see um, is an amazing feeling. And so that's something that I kind of go back to in moments where it's, you know, a bit darker. Mm. You know, I, as I sit and I kind of ponder this and I remember when you sent the question, I didn't think I really had any kind of thought about this. And I don't think there was any one defining moment in black history. I think if I look back over the past few years, it's these small moments um, in black contemporary history where we see you know, black bodies being destroyed, um, men and women kind of almost at odds with society. And it, it, when we talk about Christianity and we think everybody's in the boat together, and I went to, later on in my life, I went to a, a more uh, diverse um, uh, evangelical church. And it was there that I really started to see that not all Christians think the same way about church and what that means. Um, I remember one woman kind of stood up and she said, you know, Jesus would have been a Republican. I, 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 I realized we probably didn't share the same notion of what Christianity really means. Um, and I tried to have a dialogue with her about this, but I realized um, she was really kind of hung on this. But I, I think throughout the past few years, um, I can't necessarily default and think that we all share the same vision of what Christianity means and what heaven's going to look like. And, and so I think there's just been this conflation of cultural, social things that kind of bump up against what Christianity means. And I don't take it for granted anymore. And so as it defines me and my Christianity, I want to kind of, kind of go, to the, go back to the basics. What does the message of Christ really call us to mean, to do, and how do we live that? Um, and I think it's just, in, as of late, and, you know, President Trump being elected really kind of makes me think about this a little bit more, and I don't, I don't take Christianity for granted. I don't just kind of assume it anymore. Hmm. Um, I think this is a really interesting um, transition. One of the things I wanted to make sure, and not everybody ha might have things to say on this, is we strive at Urban Village to not just be a multicultural church, but to be an anti-racist church, right? That's kind of the journey that we're on. We've written this audit. We're trying some of these things, but the part of the part of the journey is being imperfect. <laughs> um, and I think it's also really important to recognize that there's being a there's being a person of color in a multicultural space, and there's being black in a multicultural space, and those are different. Um, and I wanted to give you the opportunity, if there's something you'd like folks to know about being black at UVC. Is there something you'd like folks to know or like to share um, or something that's been on your mind about that in the last weeks or months or years as you've been here? Yeah. Um, I just always feel appreciative, I think, like, like this. Like it's a really nice thing to have um, and just having the space to share as a person of color and a black person in church um, is not always something that you see. Like it's very rare. And I also appreciate you, Hannah, like always 
speaking up about injustice. And like, I remember, I don't know when it was, but when um, Trump made the um, comments against John Lewis and the next Sunday you like addressed it and um, there was something else recently that, uh, there's always something. <laughs> With this man. Um, and you, but you always address it and I think like, it's just so intentional and so thoughtful, and I really appreciate it. I've been meaning to tell you, but um, <laughs> I really appreciate it. See, I'm just it. like, this is not how this is supposed to go. I know, but no, go. it's yeah. so good. Like, it just makes me feel safe. I feel like a lot of times, like, people say they don't feel safe, and it's real. Like, we don't feel safe. Oh, well, I can't say we, sorry. No, Dito. I, like, sometimes <laughs> we don't feel safe. Like, hey, like, it's not, it's scary for us. Like, we're from here. This is our country, but, like, we don't feel welcome or safe. But here, like... I always feel welcome, always feel proud to be who I am, and like, there's no shame about it, and like, during this month or any time, like, it's very important to have these spaces, and like, it's very, very, very important to me, so, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was just gonna say something along very similar lines, just, um, just the idea that like, coming to UBC has given me like, a different model of what a multicultural church can be, and one that works for me a lot better. Obviously, not perfect, I don't like, I don't know the ins and outs of every corner of, you know, UBC and every member, but, you know, my experience here has just been, yeah, so welcoming, so safe, and I think, um, interestingly, the a lot of the ways in which um, maybe UBC has been explicit in being welcoming towards other communities has still helped me. Mm -hmm. The idea that, you know, we are openly welcoming to, you know, people who identify as queer, or the, the fact that sometimes, you know, we'll have songs sung in Spanish, those signals to even other communities make me realize that, you know, if, you know, if I were to have a request or, or like a need as a black person that it would be welcome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, things like this that are di directly relevant to sort of, you know, my identity as a black person, that has, um, yeah, that's made me feel great too. So it's one of the many reasons I love this place. So, oh, Maurice has, yeah. I think I just want to add to that. Um, what is special to me about it um, is the fact that UBC is very intentional. Um, so, a lot of places will say, oh, everybody's welcome, you know, just kind of leave it at that. But I think that the fact that there are activities or panels or things like this where we are intentional, where we call things out uh, and are very intentional in making people, make sure that people know that this is your space too. Um, speaks very highly because you, like I said, I, I see a lot of places that say, oh, well, you know, everybody's welcome. But you, you still kind of, you, you might doubt that, but it's really kind of hard to doubt that here because of the way that the church is intentional. So something I really hear from all of you is um, in terms of things that we can continue to push here, but also other spaces is like deliberate and clear really, really matter, right? Like clearly outlining all of the kinds of identities and being deliberate about saying, here's what we might not understand, here's how we might further welcome, further move towards justice together. Um, thank you so much. These are the big questions that we had, but is there anything else that's now on your mind after this conversation among folks about black identity, about faith, about the journey? I, I have, the, you guys have all shared so much, so I wanna honor that, but just in case there's any like burning thoughts that are still in your heart or mind, I wanna give you the opportunity. Okay, I do have one. All right. yeah. I couldn't resist. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess it's because you know, we had been on the sermon series, uh, and one of those last pillars was storytelling. Um, and so we talk a lot about that, and I think that that's just really important that we also take advantage of this community, um, because again, as, as Pastor Hannah mentioned, 
we're not here as emissaries of the you know, black community. We're here telling our stories. Um, and how we get to know people is getting to know their stories. So I think it's about us taking advantage of this community and just getting to know other people's stories. You know, go out for coffee, get to know that person. That is how we get to know other people um, that God created. And so that's getting us to know God. So I think we just have to take advantage of it. And that means lots of people who aren't here already, right? That people who aren't in the church are actually the most important people to listen to about what we're missing. Because by definition, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so I just remembered a quote while we were talking. Um, it's from Jomo Kenyatta, who was like the first president of Kenya. Um, and he says, uh, when the missionaries arrived, the Africans had the land and the missionaries had the Bible. They taught us how to pray with our eyes closed. When we opened them, they had the land and we had the Bible. And that's something that has always been on the back of my mind when I think about Christianity and our relationship with that, my relationship with it. And so I just wanted to share that. Yeah. Thank you. Good note to end on. So let's give, if we could all give thanks to Lee, Ori, Camille, Ravan.